It's no BS. It's Trent Bally. It's Luke Sloan. It's Matt Merrifield. This is episode two. It's a little bit delayed. This is not a Monday. Funny backstory as to why this was not recorded on Monday, but that will be for a different time and place. But we're here. We're together. Football's over. It's officially college basketball season. And I think that's something that we're all excited for. So both of you gentlemen, I know are massive college hoops fans. Trent's doing a little bit of travel today. Uh, you, you've come a long way to be here this evening, Trent, as we record here on a Thursday. Yeah, flying back to GR, Grand Rapids, in the mitten for a little, some some screenings tomorrow, a little checkups, that sort of thing with some health stuff, the old C word that no one wants to hear, but uh, life is good. It's good to see the family. I actually, I'm going to catch a couple uh, high school games this week and whatnot, and it's it's just going to be a nice time to kind of reset, if you will. Merrifield, I understand the Wi-Fi battle. You're 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 home in East Lansing right now. You're holding down Fight City. I understand your the Wi-Fi battle of Fight City is still uh, in progress at your apartment, but we're gonna bear through it here. Your comments on yeah, that situation, it's, general. It's been a work in progress since August, but I have a JDC friend of the program harping down my back. He's at a local establishment in the city right now, and uh, he's trying <laughs> to see it mug night right now. It's Thursday. The dangerous world. What do you is, say? Is he at mug night? Is he at mug night right now? No, he uh, – a certain other friend of the program establishment is having a uh, country night, per se. Is the Riv having a country night? The rumors are they are. I, I've i <laughs> never – in my life, I've never heard of a country night at the Riv. So this is potentially groundbreaking news here. This is you know, groundbreaking. This could be big time. You're very happy to be here with us today. Uh, I am. JDC will be in a flannel. Night. You're in a flannel. Oh, this is my 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 Paul Bunyan flannel, my lumberjack flannel. Shout out Mug Night tonight, by the way. We're getting a little bit distracted, but tonight uh, I got this from friend of the program, my sister Katie. They're giving out pink uh, mugs tonight, and it's it didn't it says like L doesn't stand for love, L stands for Luhas. And Trent, I know you hate that place, but that mug fires me up. Hey, time. hey, it grew it grew on me a lot. Actually, ironically, after I left after I left Michigan State, because when I came back to visit. Hank, friend of the program on Gunson Street. I won't give out the address like I used to on Green and White all the time. Uh, when we would go there and hang out, and then we'd walk over to 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 Luha's. It grew on me quite a bit. But I'll tell you, when I was a sophomore, and I might not have been 21, uh, that some things happened, and I was not a fan of Luha's. But times can change. People can change. Hey, you can't incriminate yourself now that you're a legal adult. So Correct. the courts have nothing on us. We're going to stay in Fight City, though, to start this one off. This actually was not in East Lansing last night, but it was just a pleasure to watch. Michigan State, an 80-72 to 72 win over Penn State yesterday. They hit the road. They were in State College out in the middle of God knows where in, in Pennsylvania. But it was a quality road win. It was a really good first half, but they hung 80 on a team on the road and really – you know, this is a Spartans team that when it comes to true road wins this season, I, they have a very few of them, if not maybe just a handful, like one or two. So anytime you can get one, it's it, good in my opinion. And this is a Penn State team. I think we talked about this the last time we recorded. I would qualify Penn State as like bad, but like kind of fun. Like it wouldn't surprise me at all if Penn State won like two games randomly in the Big Ten tournament. They've got a couple good players. I mean, Kanye Clary, he's solid. Had a good game yesterday. You know, shout out Puff Johnson from North Carolina, Ace Baldwin. They're pretty solid. I'm thinking this is a Michigan State team that's starting to gain momentum. Since we last recorded a win over Illinois, they're a borderline top 10 team. You roll this into now. You got Michigan on Saturday. Trent, I think at this point, uh, especially looking at that schedule the rest of the way, I think this is, you know, that Minnesota win still sing, stings, but I think this is where they 
could snatch some momentum, in my opinion. This was the soft underbelly of the schedule. And Matt, credit to Matt, we were texting about this probably a month ago, and we said if they can just kind of get through the stretch that they then got through, there was a real chance to start rattling some off. And you, you mentioned the Minnesota game. It sucks they lost that one. But to come back and, and beat, you know, a couple of quality teams, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I'm a little I'm a little lower on Penn State than Sloan is, but I'll definitely say this. I'm high on them. I'm really high on them. <laughs> to cover on the road in the Big Ten, I mean, what more can you ask for? This was a virtuoso from Malik Hall. Tyson Walker's streak ends, but, hey, all, all good things must come to an end at some point, and I think that actually might be – somewhat of a good thing to get that distraction out of the room of we got to get Tyson as double digits. He already got the record. Let's just celebrate Kumbaya, move on. So um, a great win nonetheless. You go into Happy Valley, you get the win. It's about what I expected. I expected the Spartans to take control from the jump, and that's what they did. Yeah, I mean, not much else you can ask for in this one. Obviously, like you said, having that Minnesota one would have been nice. That would have made it eight of their last nine, which, I mean, for – I mean, especially if they would have won that game. I know that's where a lot of the issues and a lot of the complaints about this team came from last week. Um, as Trent, you and I kind of talked about the overreaction central that was the yes. app of Twitter or X or the hell it's called now. Um, but still, <laughs> I mean, they're playing. I, I mean, they're still playing at a high level. Seven of the last or seven of the last nine is good. They still got Michigan on Saturday. Which, God, if they lose that game, I'm. Would this be the first? Jump. Would this be the first win at Chrysler in the Jawan Howard era? Yes, yes, it would be. If they're able to win. See, that's what scares me. Yeah, they, like, they lost to him. Cassius lost to him his senior year. They lost to him in COVID because they clinched the Big Ten title on our butts on their home floor. Last year, obviously, was a W, and then now. So, yeah, you're right, Trent. But I just you think know, Illinois was forward, classic yeah. Izzo, too, by the way. You know, to, to your point, Merrifield, you know, yeah, that was yeah, that, that, that was, was a, that was an Izzo spot, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, and we've seen Jay Nakins has played extremely well this last week or so, starting to find himself. I mean, obviously he had a really bad start to the year. I still don't love the way Tom Izzo uses him in this offense. I get they have uh, so many guards, even with Jeremy Fears not being in the lineup right now. Um, they still have so many ball handlers that can be the primary guy. So Jaden's kind of got relegated to that 3 and D wing player, which I think is a little bit of malpractice for the type of player he can be and what he came in as out of high school as a combo guard could run the point if he wanted to. Um, but I mean, I think he's going to be that X factor in the way he played last night, especially in that first half. I know Tom wasn't happy with his second half performance, but I mean, I, I'm a big Jaden Akins fan. He might be my favorite player on this team. We got to give some flowers uh, shout out Valentine's day yesterday as well. Got to give a couple flowers to Malik call. He had 29 yesterday. Akins had a cool 20 He had 16 of them in the first half, but Tyson Walker had six points yesterday in this team. One on the road by, you know, led by double digits at halftime and one by eights against a team that's pretty well coached and has some talent. Got to give him credit. And I think you just look at Malik and you look at Jaden, and that's kind of where my faith rests with this team in terms of our tournament chances. Because at this point, between Cooper, Body, I mean, the five is just going to kind of be what it is. Tyson's going to step up in the biggest games. We know that. Honestly, I think A.J. Hogard probably will, too. I mean, I know he was kind of sleepy against Penn State. He had just four points, five dimes. But in those biggest games, even you think back to, to Marquette last year, you think back to uh, Kansas State last year, he does show up. You get Jaden, you get Malik going. And I think this team's ceiling is starting to get a little bit higher. The Minnesota loss did not feel great. But you look at the schedule the rest of the way, and this kind of like brings me to my next point outside of you know looking past that win you know, against Penn State last night here as we record on a, on a Thursday. You got Michigan Saturday, like Merrifield mentioned. You know, Juwan Howard and company are 
in the basement of the Big Ten. They're terrible. You got Iowa at home. It's funny enough, they beat Minnesota on Sunday. You got Ohio State at home. Don't I don't even know who's coaching them anymore post Chris Holtman. Then you're at Purdue, Northwestern at home, who just lost Ty Berry. And then you finish the year against the fighting Mike Woodsons. Can this team go five and one the rest of the way? Or I'll raise you one, Trent. Could this team go undefeated the rest of the way in the regular season toward the Big Ten tournament? I'm thinking five and one might be a little bit more realistic. That uh, Purdue is the is the tall task at Mackey, but is there a path to six and all the rest of the way? Well, of course there's a path because it's Purdue. And I know, uh, you know, our good friend Brendan Shabbat, look, I feel like all we do is shout out our friend group in this, but hey, that's what that's our show. We can do it. We'll have our cake and eat it too. But he's gonna have an aneurysm when I say that, but that's the truth. And that game is on March 2nd. It's 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 later in the season. That favors the Spartans. I don't think they're gonna win it, but is there a path to six and oh? Of course. I'll set the floor at four and two. And I think I'm with you, Sloan. I think five and one is the most realistic outcome. And I'm at the point where I feel like we know exactly what we're going to get. Even if they're inconsistent, what we're going to get is senior leadership, and you're going to live and die kind of as Malik Hall goes. If you look at, like Matt said, you've won seven out of nine. The two losses Malik Hall was awful in, he just disappeared. So I think if you get that senior leadership, you get Tyson to step up, you get AJ to step up and lock in. This team, Sloan, I think is approaching what it was last season. And I understand given the preseason expectations, it's a little disappointing and underwhelming, but they're a seven seed that no one's going to want to see in that second round. Or even if they're an eight, nine, no one's going to want to see in that second round as a one seed. So um, it's on the table the rest of the way. You're exactly right. I'm in lockstep with you. I, I'm giving them five and one. I believe they can do it. But 6-0, and oh, there is a path there, Matt, dare I say. Merrifield, I kind of want to like flip this question around for you. We know Purdue is obviously the one that you could go point to and say that could be an L. But out of these remaining teams, Michigan, Iowa, Ohio State, Northwestern, Indiana, is there one of those games that worries you outside of Purdue? First off, I, I can hear Trent laughing. I'd like to apologize if you hear any EDM music in the background. Um, my roommate is getting ready for said country night. Um, <laughs> he's not playing the right music. music. What is he I, doing? I know he's he's not a country music person. Um, we can continue this discussion off air, but so I apologize oh, if uh, this gets copyright striked because of any muffled music um, as Trent raises the roof. But back to Michigan State specifically against Purdue. I I don't love that people have just written off that game as a loss. Like I understand they're probably not going to go in and win. They'll probably be eight, nine-point underdogs going into that basketball game, and completely understandably so, but it's Tom Izzo. It'll be in March, like Trent said. Like, you can't – if we're the program we say we are, um, and I understand that this program hasn't been what it should be the last couple of years, but still, like, Michigan State can go – and if there's a program that can go into Mackey and win, it should be Michigan State. And I understand it's been, what, now 10 years since they've done it, um, but ever, not every year they've gone. Um, they've had better teams. And Tom Izzo, before 10 years – before the last 10 years has had a lot of success against Purdue. Um, so I don't, I don't buy too much into it, it being at Mackey. Um, so we'll see, but I think this team can go five and one easily, but if they find a way to beat Purdue, they're going to drop a different one. Like there are plenty of games that this team could drop. Cause like you said, Trent, we know what we're getting. And part of that is them dropping a stinker when they shouldn't like, that's just kind of what we have to grow to accept with this basketball team. What could be the biggest trap you know, this is for both of you, but, you know, you can go ahead first, Matt. You know, you mentioned the other uh, five outside of at Purdue. 
being Michigan this Saturday, Iowa and Ohio State at home. Then you got Northwestern at home after you go to West Lafayette and then at Indiana. Is there like one of those that sticks out to you more than the others in terms of, oh, that could be a pitfall? Yeah, I mean, Indiana, you know, you guys know how I feel about Mike Woodson. A lot of it's tongue-in-cheek, but he is a good basketball coach, and I do think he understands how to coach basketball, whether or not he's great at connecting with the young players and whether or not he's the answer long-term at Indiana. I think we all know the answer there. He's not. But that's a game that, yeah, you, you got to lace them up. It's a team you're better than, but you got to go. It breaks my heart to hear you say that about Woodson, too, that he's not the future. That's our <laughs> guy, man. He's been our guy for years. I'll tell Longer you what, than this show has been around. That 2022 Big Ten tournament when they beat Michigan in the second round, and I got to go, I got to go listen to Mike Woodson's presser. Oh, that was one of the most fun times of my life. But anyways, um, sports media at least. But anyways, I it, it, I look at that game similarly to this Penn State one. I mean, it's a team you should beat. It's a team that you should take control of early. The problem with Indiana is they're always going to try to kill you with the three ball. You got to come to defend. I really hate to be like this guy because it kind of sucks, but you mentioned it, Trent. It's a little bit of a monkey they have to get off their back at Michigan on Saturday, and I don't necessarily am – I'm not necessarily just chalking that one up as a W right now. That kind of sucks because Michigan's terrible, and, you know, Juwan Howard's job status is definitely a conversation it's, right now. But that, that could be a hole. That could be a hole that could fall into. Sure. What about these other ones, Merrifield? Are you at all scared of Northwestern at home, second to last game of the year? We haven't mentioned that one. I mean, Iowa and Ohio State, I think we can at home, we can both kind of throw out. But what about those cats? What about Chris Collins? I mean, now with Ty Berry being done for the year, that kind of that really puts Northwestern's season in general, not just obviously their chances in East Lansing, but going forward. They have a game against Rutgers tonight as we're filming this. I think they're playing right now. Um, but I'm not sure losing – see their second leading score, I think, behind Bowie. Um, He's but a great I, player. He's a great player. I mean, they've player. had some success. They've had some great success in East Lansing the last couple of years. But, I mean, senior night, and even if Michigan State loses to Purdue, like I feel like they'll bounce back. Or even if they don't, like I don't see them losing on senior night. That's just been a game where regardless of who they play – I mean, the last couple of years they haven't played very good teams. Obviously, Maryland and Ohio State, but even when they they beat what was it, Michigan on Senior Day last two years prior during COVID, and then the 2019 season that we all remember. Um, so they this team always shows up when it matters on Senior Day. And um, R.A.P. Chris Holtman, who used to hate on the tradition, but um, maybe <laughs> <speaking power>. <laughs> but so yeah, I think they take care of it. Uh, take care of business against the Wildcats. Yeah, Chris Holtman. Well. I guess we're going to take a deeper look. So, you know, a, a quick comment on, on Holtman, I suppose. You know, that was obviously coming. I mean, they caught fire with Bryce Sensible on the Big Ten tournament last year, but that couldn't obviously clinch him a berth in the NCAA tournament last year. They fell short. This year they're terrible. So that was kind of, I don't know. I thought they'd probably wait till after the season, but I was wrong. But you look at the Big Ten, and this is kind of the last thing I want to talk about right now as it pertains to Michigan State. You've got conferences right now like the SEC – and the Big 12 who are looking like they're going to get eight, seven, eight, nine, even 10 teams in, in the case of the Big 12. You look at the Big 10 right now, and you, I'm, you know, I'm looking at the, the standings at the moment. It, it's very real that, that there's only six teams getting in this year from the Big 10. It's usually nine. Shout out Jimmy Hendricks. Flip that upside down. But, I mean, Trent, is there – well, we'll go back to the standings. I mean, Minnesota dropped that one to, you know, uh, at Iowa, which was terrible. And then you've got Indiana, who's 14 and 10 and 6 and 8, uh, 7 in conference. Maryland, 
Iowa, they're both 14 and 11, six and eight in conference. I mean, do any of those teams have a shot or are we looking at six? I mean, add year for the big time. I, I think we're looking at six, Sloan. I'm with you. And I'm not sure. I'm, I've never been. You guys know I beat the table for Big Ten basketball. I love it. Everyone wants to talk about there hasn't been a champion since 2000 when it was yours truly, the Spartans. And, man, I just I don't agree. I think it's such a grueling season. The style of basketball they play, they recruit that Midwest talent. And you're just inevitably going to get some grueling Tournament. By the time you get to the tournament, you've gone through some injuries and things aren't quite clicking the way they should. But Sloan, I think this is the straw that breaks the camel's back. I think there's been more competitive seasons with the Big Ten than this one. But I think people are finally wising up to the idea that the Big Ten team that finishes eighth in the conference ain't exactly a tournament team. Or at least, you know, they don't want they, – they'd rather give the SEC or the Big 12 the benefit of the doubt in that department. And I can't really – I can't – disagree wholeheartedly put it that way I think Indiana definitely kind of did themselves in a little bit because they had two opportunities to beat Purdue you need to win one of those games if you want to make the tournament most likely they did not one of them was last weekend you look at Minnesota we mentioned it you know they had the opportunity to beat Iowa which would make them seven and five in conference play and 16 and eight overall I mean I wouldn't say they were in the be in the driver's seat at that point but they'd definitely be you know, trending in the right direction. And then you've got Maryland too. But, you know, we'll talk about this a little bit later too in terms of the legitimacy of these top teams in the Big Ten. But it is a little bit surprising to see six Big Ten teams. But, you know, Trent, you love college hoops. Merrifield, you do too. The Big 12 has just been a wagon this year too. Like if, if you know, the Big Ten picked a really bad year to be bad if they wanted to sneak another team in. SEC is not bad too, Trent. You're a former SEC guy where you worked in Nashville. So, I mean – you know, Merrifield, is this the right read on this? I mean, I don't think we've got a doubt at this point. Yeah, I mean, come March time, I'm interested to see who kind of takes over. I know we are going to talk a little bit more national landscape in the next couple of minutes, but like looking at, I don't, I don't know who I even like this year. Like they're really up and down. Looking at like the bracketology, which it I have is, a, it is wide open, which makes I, it I have, really fun. I have a bone to pick with certain members of the bracketology community because they had Michigan State in the first four out, and then somehow because they just beat Illinois at home, which very good win, but that moved them up to an eight nine seed. Like I think that's a bit <laughs> exaggeration. Another bracketologist moved State down after beating Illinois. Not sure how that happens. Um, so I just I have a bone to pick with bracketologists, and I look at it at the field and I go, like I like UNC as a top, but other than that, like. I have my own thing with UConn, which I know we'll talk about them later. Um, I just, I don't know. I don't know who's going to go on a run. Usually by this time of year, I kind of have an idea of who the underseeded seven seed is going to be. It might very well be Michigan State. And I don't want to be like that homer, but like there aren't many teams that even Michigan State has its flaws that I see where I go, not in a normal year, but I don't know who's going to be those teams this year. So. See, I love Merrifield that you're being right now the, the straw that serves the drink in terms of college hoops and, and we got a lot more coming here, too, because our in or out segment for this show is all college hoops based. We kind of looked at each other when we were making the show sheet this week and we said, you know, we're all college hoops guys. Football's over. Let's just hit the ground running. And we're going to kind of set the table here because there's going to be a lot of college hoops that we talk the next really two months. So this is just kind of a, you know, the tip of the iceberg, so to speak. That's coming up in a couple segments. But there's a lot going on right now locally in Detroit. 
I'm, you know, hey, we're all in the mitten right now. That's pretty, uh, pretty rare for this podcast. Yeah, Trent, uh, holding down the west side of the state. I'm recording right now in Southfield. Matt's holding down Fight City. You know, uh, general, uh, you know, general of the, you know, Wi-Fi battle up there in Fight City. But we'll talk locally. It's the Detroit dance on here on Thursday as we record. This was the big story last night. It was out in Phoenix, last game before the All Star break for the Pistons. You think, you know, probably a loss to the Suns. They're starting to play well, but. What caught the highlight, uh, the headlines this morning was not that. It was Isaiah Stewart, Beef Stew. We know his actions in between the lines. My favorite one is a very fond memory of mine. That would be LeBron James and company, I believe, in 2022 uh, when they had that big fight at the Palace. But last night, Drew Eubanks and Isaiah Stewart allegedly had some kind of altercation in the bowels of the footprint center before the game. Isaiah apparently punched, threw a punch, and connected on Drew Eubanks. He was briefly arrested and detained, and the NBA is looking into this. Beef Stew is, he's going to bring attitude, and that's what he's on this team for, and I love that about him. This obviously crosses the line. I mean, I don't want to say we have a Draymond situation here with Beef Stew, because this is kind of offense number one that's egregious. Maybe number two if you count that Lakers game. But what's your read on this situation, Trent? Is it a really bad look for the Pistons? Or maybe should some national pundits pump the brakes on that, in your opinion? Oh, it's a it's not a good look. I'm not going to overreact. I mean, he got arrested for assault for a second, and then they kind of sorted through the situation. And like you said, they're still kind of waiting for the dust to settle to figure out what actually happened. Look, I... Is it a bad look for the Pistons? Yeah, but like, what's been a good look for the Pistons since 2016? I couldn't give you five things. So it, it's just tough sledding in Detroit, and that's I know that's a lazy take from me, but I just have to believe if this team was competing for something and Isaiah Stewart knew that there was stakes in the game, he wouldn't be acting like that. I truly believe that. I think if the morale was a bit higher and the team was doing better, even just 500, He's not going to come out swinging against people in the tunnel. Now, uh, I don't, th- I, th- I don't know if he was already ruled out or not, but he obviously didn't play in that game. wasn't supposed to because of an ankle, or was that Eubanks? Do I have that back? Either way, you had it. Just, you had it right. You had it right. Yeah. So he wasn't going to play in that game. So maybe that had something to do with it. He's like, "What do I have to lose? This guy's talking. You know what? I'm going to hit him," which I don't condone. I'm simply just saying. Again, this is just another microcosm of how bad the situation is with the Pistons. And I know Matt loves to make fun of the Pistons. So Matt, I'll let you drive. Yeah. Suspension will be coming, but I mean, that's the question, Merrifield. I mean, four, three, four years down the line or even two, is he Draymond? You know, that's my, you know, that's my question. I mean, Draymond can get away with it because he's got what now three, four rings to go with it where he's been the catalyst and been that glue piece for the Warriors versus the Pistons, like you said, Trent. Like, uh, what's really gone right for the Pistons in the last decade plus? Um, and so I think it just kind of adds to, like, I mean, as somebody who just loves to laugh at the Pistons, like, that's where most of my um, engagement comes from. Go is, ahead. I love I mean, it's, you got I mean, to laugh about what he pulled. It's not quite as funny as what he pulled against the Lakers two years ago when he ran around the tunnels through the bowels of Little Caesars Arena to come out the other side to try and attack LeBron. That is still an all timer. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, why? Why? Like, it's, I mean, I, I know, I don't think we have a reason why as to yet, but like, what could have caused you to go into the 
parking tunnel or out in the parking lot, I think is what the police report said. Was it or the police statement? Is that happened in the this parking is lot? This right here for Merrifield. He's got that information from the police. <laughs> I shout out Jaron <laughs> uh, We talked about it today in class um, with uh, Professor Joanne. So I mean, I don't, I don't actually know what happened. Um, got to ask those hard hitting reporting questions. But like, why Isaiah? Like. It's 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 Eubanks. It's not even Booker or literally anybody else or KD. By the way, Booker, how about Booker getting ejected six minutes into the game and then Frank Vogel getting teed up as well and the Pistons still lose by 16? What a mess that was. <laughs> what do you think about Monty Williams coming out swinging in the postgame against his former team for putting out a statement before the police did? That was interesting in my opinion. I didn't see I, that. I missed that. I missed that. But yeah, so I guess – I guess Monty was upset after the game. The Suns were really quick to go out with a statement, throw down the allegations, and he was kind of like calling it kind of like being quick on the trigger, I think, you know, in terms of – I think he might have called it irresponsible is the word he used in terms of like drawing those conclusions quickly and releasing that like official team statement and whatever. I don't know. I mean, at this point, it's hard to defend a guy who, you know – punches a dude before the game in the bowels of the arena, which, you know, I'm not going to defend him. Sorry. I love you, Isaiah, but like, I can't. <laughs> and I mean, the, the thing about this with the Pistons and we're going to pivot here because they're terrible, but I mean, from a sports viewing standpoint, like what's your pulse with this team the rest of the way? Like I'm a psycho. So I'm going to be watching them either way because I love basketball and I love the Pistons and I'm crazy. But like, did the trade deadline fire you up? Did it deflate your hope in this team? Did you hate it? Did you love it? Do you have any reasons to watch down the stretch? I guess for me, I'm all, like I said, because I'm a sucker, I'm always going to hold on to enjoyments in watching Jaden Ivey and Cade Cunningham and Jalen Duran and I think Asar Thompson's taking steps. But in terms of the trade deadline, I think Fontecchio is a good piece. I think Grimes is a good piece. But it just you look on paper and it feels like they shipped out a lot more talent and quality than they got back especially when it comes to shooting you know they do have some more controllability with these guys they got i know fontacchio is restricted but i see you smiling matt so i'm gonna i'm gonna hand it over to you right I now mean, you got some thoughts to become to be fair could it could it get any worse like if they stand pat are they anywhere closer like does i feel like making these moves can't hurt to a I point agree. like, like literally nothing to lose like i I mean, I just I saw some people like complaining about mostly the Grimes trade, um, and I'm like, I don't know, like it, it can't get any worse, can it? And yeah, I mean, it's, I, I mean, they've been playing a little bit better basketball, so at that point, at least try something. Now I understand the issues stem way deeper than making these moves for second round picks and Grimes and Fontecchio. Like these aren't going to save anything; these aren't going to save anyone's jobs. Um, but I, I don't know. I feel like if you're complaining. I guess could you have gotten more for a bogey in the offseason? Probably, but we're here now. This is what the value was. You got something for him at the very least. At this point, you can't. I think the real beef. This is your your point, Trent. The beef with bogey is that they should have traded him last year. Like you probably probably would have gotten a first for him last year. Troy Weaver clearly doesn't know much about the stock market. And I'm going to be the guy that raises my hand and say, I don't either. I don't know Jack Eck about the stock market. But hey, here's what I know. When you got a good stock and people are investing and people are taking calls and you know he's not a part of your future, you sell because people are people want 
they're swore. I remember the, who was it? The Lakers offered a first round pick, or I, I don't remember exactly who. I the think team the Lakers was. offered a 2027 first, which at this point, I'll take that. You know, any first, any if you know he's not going to be a part of your future, then why are you letting him stick around? And Matt, when you mentioned the thing about Grimes, I mean, I, I wasn't shaking my head at your point, I was simply just shaking my head at <laughs> I'll, I'll make this very brief by just simplifying it down to this. Troy Weaver reminds me a lot in how he does his job. He reminds me a lot of Michael Scott, who is a fictional character and has no idea what he's doing 24-7. He's just throwing everything at the wall and seeing what sticks. Let's go get James Wiseman, Marvin Bagley, Jalil Okafor, guys that were picked high because they must have been they must be good if they were picked high. Let's take a swing on this guy. And Matt, who was the who was the name you dropped? this week as a joke Merrifield's like a dictionary when it comes to this stuff so yeah there were there guys was looking at his text messages let me look I, I started just thinking of well there was a certain was, player the, you were like hey they the should 2016 take a swing nba draft was just full of well crap. trent i thought you were going to say alavila um alavila had i a said um don maker for way too long don maker shout out he was yes. like 23 so, so that's stretch a, four that's, stretch four that's about all I got. I, I just, I, Troy Weaver, he earned my trust very early on by getting rid of the Blake contract, getting rid of the Andre contract. It was promising, but nothing went anywhere. You took Killian Hayes over Tyrese Halliburton. That was just clearly a miss. I thought drafting Bay and Stewart in that same draft were both bullseyes. Problem is, you then traded Sadiq Bay in a package deal in a three team trade to get James Wiseman, and that's when he officially lost me. So I'm I'm so far gone. Sloan, to get back to the original question, of course I'm going to watch. I love my Pistons. I love Kate Cunningham. I love Jaden Ivey. I love Osar Thompson. I love Jalen Duran. But beyond that, man, Marcus Sasser too. He deserves a shout out. But beyond yeah, that, I, it's tough I didn't include him in that little list, but he has been a blast. No, you're right, Trent, because I'm a sicko and they're terrible. And I've got actually I've got a, a lunch bet with one of my colleagues here. I bet about maybe two months ago that the Pistons would win more games this season than the Lions. That's not looking so great right now here as we, as we oh enter God. February. Uh, at the time, though, the Pistons had, I think, two wins. And at, the, at that time when I made that bet, I think the Lions had 10. And well, I think you – know, Sloan, Sloan, I would have taken that bet too because – Absolutely. I do, I do have an interesting question to ask you, though. Do the playoffs count? Because that matters. The, the, they do count for the purpose of this wager. Okay, so, so you need the Pistons to win 15 games. And they're at eight, correct? <laughs> yes, you need them to double their output post-All-Star break. It could happen. We'll it see. could happen. I mean, hey, this Pistons team went on a two-game win streak around the trade deadline. So, you know, you know, the Pistons are doom and gloom. But we've got another two games is not a win streak. It's back. You have to win three for it to be a winning streak. Well, considering that we didn't do it until that point, I'm you won back to back. We're calling it a win. It's not a winning streak. They almost beat the Clippers. They were up up going into the third, so it was like a two and a half game win streak. There, we'll count it as that. You know what? No more of this depression, though. No more. We're going to talk about the Red Wings. You know, they're out west. We're recording right now on a Thursday. They got Vancouver tonight, so obviously we're going to see how that unfolds. Edmonton the other night, flat out just couldn't keep up with them. McDavid and company. I mean, McDavid was literally skating circles around us or just twirling around and 
throwing it to Evander Kane, and it ends up, uh, you know, behind Alex Lyon. But nonetheless, this Red Wings team, I mean, this needs to be a playoff team. Like, at this point, are we going to be disappointed if they don't make the playoffs? Because I am. With how much talent they have right now, you should go add at the deadline, in my opinion, add another two-way forward. You know, someone like David Perron or Comfer who gets after it on both ends, because I think they got plenty of scoring. At this point, I would be disappointed if they didn't make the playoffs. Have we risen to that level, Trent? A hundred percent. And I'll keep this short and sweet because I, I'm not going to act like I know the most about hockey, but I do watch the wings and I follow them pretty closely. They play no defense. They're very fun to watch because they play a fast paced game. But here's the thing. You have to be buyers at the deadline because Sloan, you said this is the year to make the playoffs. I mean, you already made the move to go get Patrick Kane. It's worked out handsomely, at least statistically. And you made the move to go get Debrinkit before the season. You've made a couple of splashes now it's time to put your money where your mouth is. You're one of those teams that's on that teetering line, and you need to find yourself on the positive end of that. It's playoffs or bust. And I'll tell you right now, if they miss the playoffs, Stevie Y's seat is going to be hot. And I know no one wants to hear that. Whoa, hey. I, I, do th- I, I don't think he's going to get fired. I'm simply just saying I think people will start to be hip to the vibe of, like, what's going on here? Are we still trusting the Iser plan or are we not? Because, because the eyes are, the eyes are playing is taking a hot minute. So I, I completely agree. It is. And if I can draw a quick cross-sport parallel before I throw it to Matt here in a second, who knows much more about hockey than I do, this reminds me of what the Lakers just did at the playoff – or, excuse me, at the trade deadline. They didn't do anything. They didn't do anything. They trust the fact that they have talent. They'll figure it out. Eh, it's no big deal. The Wings, I feel like, are in a situation like that where they're kind of at the bottom of – that playoff mix, but they're in it nonetheless. They need to make a move to insert themselves, you know, firmly in that playoff mix. And if they don't, I'm afraid that getting a little fat and happy, for lack of a better term, is going to come back to bite them, and that's all. I would guess you're in lockstep with our thoughts, Merrifield. Well, I think they're in an interesting spot, too, because, like you said, they could very easily find themselves out there two points ahead of New Jersey, which the Devils can't stay healthy. Um, but the other side, they can still pass Tampa. They're three points back of Tampa for that third place spot. So, um, I mean, I feel like you said, Trent, they have to start playing some defense. Um, that's like the biggest thing. I haven't watched a ton of wings hockey this year. I was at the game they played the Sharks against back in early December when they, uh, there was like was eight goals there. or seven Shout goals. Out we met up. That, we met up. I, that, was, uh, that was an enjoyable game. Um, it was awesome to watch the wings blow that. Um, and for me, to be there to watch that but i mean i think the expectation i think they're gonna make the playoffs i think they'll be fine they have plenty of talent um at deadline wise they still have a lot of talent in the system coming up i'm not sure if edmondson is still up i know they called him up for a little bit uh, i don't know if he's still um playing for the wings or if he's back down in grand rapids um but i kind of want to ask the question this was mike merrifield's question of the week um Ooh, this, is kind of, this is a segue right here what is uh, what is we all kind of expect this team to make the playoffs? What is the expectation for this team come playoff time? Um, whether they're wild card, whether that, that three seed in the Atlantic, kind of where do we think this team can go? Obviously, there's some issues. They don't have some defense. They're still a long way away from that re, um, from being where they want to be. Uh, but my last point, kind of with you, Trent, about the hot seat for Iserman, um, was when he came in, he kind of had a similar job to what the Tigers had to kind of rebuild through and um, kind of what Scott Harris is now taking over because 
I mean, actually, it was kind of what Al Avila took over when Dombrowski. Ken, got, Ken uh, Holland was awful. Ken, Ken Holland, right? Was Ken scary. Holland was awful, and he did the same thing where he spent a ton of money and then sold off all the far- sold off the farm to make sure to sell out for this team. Well, at that point, to keep the streak alive, not even to compete for championships. So that really put the Wings in a tough spot. So I think where they're at, I mean, yeah, you want to see them a little bit further ahead, but I mean, they're competing for a playoff spot. They should be a playoff team this year. So I think you overall have to be for the most part happy and there's still talent coming with this team. They still have money to spend. Um, and I think in positions of need, like goaltending, they have obviously young pieces. I don't know what Costa is going to end up doing, but Trey Augustine for Michigan state looks like a godsend. I mean, he's incredible for Michigan state. Um, but yeah, but back to the Mike Merrifield question, come playoff time, what do you guys think this team is capable of and what should the expectation be? This is going to be a really lame answer when it comes to the uh, Mike Merrifield question of the day. I have no expectations. I just want to make the playoffs. Yep. This is a team that has not made the playoffs since I believe I was in, I think it might have been my senior year of high school, the last time they made the playoffs. It was either my it's senior year of high school or our freshman year of college. It was a long time ago at this point. I could None of us here could legally drink. One of us here still can't. But the bottom <laughs> line is just taking a step into the mix because the East is deep. Like you mentioned, Merrifield, the records might not indicate it, but there are still still some teams with a lot of talent. You know, the devils are on our heels. They're really good. Buffalo's got talent. We've had problems with the senators. They're, they're crummy, but they're good. I just want to make the playoffs because the problem is you could get matched up against Boston. Who's really good. I mean, I know that we play pretty, you know, typically we're good against Boston. They lost to the Panthers in the first round last year. So never say never, I suppose, but, this is. I hope this is not a cop out, Mister M. But I just just make the playoffs. That's the step. With the Lions this year, I think it was different. I always wanted the Lions to make it and win a playoff game. That was my goal entering the year because I thought if you were to compare the Wings and Lions right now in terms of how they are entering the season, the Lions, in my opinion, were way ahead of where the Wings are when they entered the season in terms of the progression of yes. them toward the playoffs. So that's why my expectations are a little bit lower. You know, because not a lot of people predicted the Red Wings to make the playoffs this year. The nerds and the scientists and mathematicians didn't like our chances. They loved effing Ottawa and Buffalo and those, you know, I'm just jerks. I'm just going to say jerks. But yeah, none. None is my answer. I thought I said I was going to be a short answer. It turned into a long answer. So No, Sloan, uh, you're fine because I, I, I completely agree with a lot of what you said. So I'll give the short answer. But I think when you, this is why it's important to keep expectations in perspective. Because you're exactly right on the Lions. The expectation for me, at least, was to win the North and win a playoff game. They exceeded those expectations. So let's be honest about this Wings team that hasn't made a playoffs or hasn't made the playoffs, excuse me, since, you know, like, like Sloan said before, we could legally drink. And now I drink a lot is make the playoffs. That way, if they do make the playoffs and win a playoff series, then we can really start you know, saying, okay, they accelerated, they took a step this season. And that's that's the bottom line for me. I will say, shout out to Mike Merrifield for the question, I reserve the right to change my answer. Because if they are the three seed, if they have a really hot month of uh, second half of February and hot month of March, watch out, baby. Because I do like a lot of what the Wings are doing on the ice. Merrifield, he's your five. He's allowed to change his answer. Because I say yes, if it's up to me. Oh, yes, of course. You are, Trent. You're allowed to change. I think in terms of the wings, I think the matchup 
I, I think if they get Boston, they should compete in that series. I think they have a shot in it um, because the Wings clearly don't have the defense and goaltending to win in the playoffs. Um, uh, they just they just don't. But I think a team like Boston, who doesn't have very good goaltending either way, we kind of saw that last year when they played Florida. Um, but I, then again, the Wings don't match up better in that. Um, or if they get the Panthers, I think they have a shot in the 2-3 game. Uh, but if they play the Rangers, that, that could be a very quick series. I mean, it'll be exciting to see. And I think Little Caesars Arena deserves some playoff sports. I know they've had, what the, I agree. they've had the – They've had the Pistons once, but it's the Pistons, and it was the Bucks, and they lost both games, and it really didn't. Shout out to Wayne much. Casey and Blake Griffin. That was uh, playoff those hockey. Are core memories. Those are core it's, memories for Pistons fans at this point. It's it's been too long since we've had playoff. I mean, obviously we just had football, but playoff hockey is, I think, a better atmosphere than playoff football. Um, obviously, I wasn't at the games like you were, Trent and Detroit, at least at Rams games, so I can't completely compare it. But I mean, the atmosphere that will be at LCA. I'm very excited for. So, and I think they have a shot and depending on who they play, if they get the Rangers, I mean, the expectation is win a game, just don't get embarrassed in the first round. But if, other than that, I think they can compete in a series and maybe find a way to win one and win a series. And then from there, obviously this, but this team's not ready to compete whatsoever. Putting a bit of a lid on the wings as we move through the, you know, top things that we're thinking about locally. I want to do lions, but quickly, we were going to record on Monday, so this was going to be a little bit splashier than it is now. So that's why we can kind of pick the pace up on this. Just two really quick questions, Trent. I'm going to start with you. You know, take all the time you need, but I think the consensus right now in terms of Vegas, second best odds to win the NFC behind the Niners for next year. Obviously, the favorites to win the NFC North. And I'm seeing mainly fourth or fifth best odds to win the Super Bowl. Would you place all three of those where they are, or would you not? Yeah, I can see why things are where they're at. Now, we all know how this works, right? There's the way too early lists and things of that sort. We haven't even hit free agency yet. The offseason just began for two of these teams less than a week ago, so I get it. But when you say it out loud, Vegas has to be bullish on the Lions. They had them at nine and a half wins last season. They won 12. They won the division. They took control. They went to the NFC Championship game. And yes, they needed a little help to get there, but damn it, they hosted two home playoff games. They looked great, and they're only going to get better, like Brad Holmes has continued to say. So I have no problem with this. And you also have to, before I turn it over to Matt, you also have to factor in the fact that they play in the NFC. And just to get to the Super Bowl, it's a lot easier in the NFC, at least I'm projecting here, than it will be in the AFC this upcoming season. So you have to factor that in. The Lions are competing with the Cowboys, the Eagles, two teams that underachieved this last season. The Niners, who beat you, but they just fired Steve Wilkes, and it kind of seems like the kitchen's on fire there. Like, I don't really know why the Lions wouldn't be in the top two or three in the NFC in the top five overall for Super Bowl odds, Matt. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I'm kind of like a bridge to Matt right now because I'm going to once again take – this is my second in a row lame answer, which is kind of some BS on a show that's called No BS – I think second in the NFC is good. I I, I would take them at this point over Philly or the Cowboys. Shout out Mike Zimmer. Um, you know, and then you got obviously San Francisco. Fourth, fifth to win the Super Bowl. I, you know, obviously you're going to have KC up there. You're going to have the Niners. I mean, you're going to have Dallas. You're going to have the Eagles. And like Trent said, the, NF the AFC is going to get deeper next year. Obviously, we are the class of the NFC North right now. We talked about this the last episode. 
I'm really high on the Bears. Packers are going to be probably pretty legit next year. So I, but I would overall, you know, hold here if we were, you know, playing cards. But you know, Merrifield, the, the baton is yours. <laughs> I mean, I th it's right. I mean, if you look at the other side, obviously the Chiefs are the standard. Um, the night I don't. I'm curious to see where the Niners go from here. Uh, they've been kind of that peak elite football team for the last, I mean, since they went to the Super Bowl and what was that, 19, the first time they played, or the 2020 Super Bowl, they played against the Chiefs yep. the first time. So that's a long time for them to be at such a high level. Um, they're paying a lot of different players. I and mean, at some point, they're bound to start coming down. I know Brock Purdy's still a young quarterback under contract that they don't have to pay for a couple of years. But um, if anything, I'd even be close to say they should be the number two favorite behind the Chiefs. Uh, Ravens roster-wise, I mean, if the Chiefs aren't going to win, I think the Ravens are the second-best roster in football. But then again, they've been really good for a couple of years now. So I think the Lions are in that good spot where they're the fresh – of the elite teams, they're the youngest, which has an advantage. Um, not only this year, but going forward. So, I mean, four is right. I think that I think the four teams that made the conference championship games this year were the four best teams in football. And um, so – and I think going forward, I mean, yes, these teams will get better in the offseason, but I don't feel like – there's a ton of room for growth, which is why they're already as good as they are. So, but I would put based on what we haven't seen yet in the offseason, I mean, the Lions at four is probably fair, but I think they can this be one, This next one can be even quicker here. I want to go three biggest offseason wants. This doesn't necessarily have to be need. This is what you want personally. I'll just lead it off myself. I think these first two are pretty obvious. You need another corner opposite Cam Sutton. Uh, you know, that could obviously be a fit in the draft. Kool-Aid McKinstry could be one of them. I mean, there's a lot of corners in this draft. Yep. I want I want a bookend for Aiden. Uh, you know, that might be more likely to come from free agency. And then my third is, is kind of a little bit sneaky. It's on the other side of the ball. It's on offense. You know, you're, you're going to bring Glasgow back. Jonah Jackson, you don't really know. Maybe they're not going to pay him. You, you know, he has he's had some reliability problems the last couple of years. I'd love to see this team draft another guard. I mean, I know you've got Sorsdahl, who wasn't bad, and you know, I was Sheikha, can't pronounce his name. Sorry, love you. You played well in stretches this year. But I think, you know, I mean, I could spending a two on a guard, I wouldn't hate that. That that's like my quick three. So you can go ahead. This is a like a mini Mount Rushmore here. Yeah, I mean, I'll I'll make this quick again. I think you need one at every level on defense. You need a pass rusher aside Aiden Hutchinson, like you said, Sloan. I think you need another linebacker. I actually like what the Lions have at linebacker. I'm in the minority there. I like Anzalone. I like Derek Barnes. I like Rodrigo. I like Reeves Maven. But come on. I mean, if you could get like a wrecker in there who's just flying all over the field, that'd be awesome. And then I definitely think you need a corner opposite Cam Sutton. And something that I think got buried this season was that was supposed to be Emmanuel Mosley. He came into the Absolutely. season with the corner. Yeah. And, 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 and you just kind of got dealt a bad hand. His first game back, I think it was week four, or maybe maybe I'm off on that. I was uh, high on him, too. I was really high on him. I was, too, and I think Cam Sutton's a bona fide number two. I really do, because Cam Sutton had some great games this year. It's just down the stretch. Unfortunately, he kind of faltered. So, Sloan, I'm with you. I think the focus has to be the defense, but I think you bring up a really, really key thing that, you know, this li the Lions can't take the offensive line for granted that they had this season. I think Penny Sewell is as good as it gets. Frank Ragnow is as good as it gets. Graham Glasgow, very underrated. Jonah Jackson, free agent. You know, there's a lot of things. You you, you want to keep that offensive line where it's at or better. So uh, I, I definitely think Absolutely. that's an that's an area for improvement 
not necessarily because the offensive line wasn't good enough, because it certainly was, but considering what you might lose and what's on the market, you want to, you know, pick up the phone in that scenario. Yeah, I think, I mean, bolstering the offensive line is always, I mean, important to do, um, especially with some of the players, like you said, like Jackson and some of the guys, the future isn't there. Um, Draft-wise, I think defensively, I think obviously that's going to be the focus, but I think, like you said, Trent, kind of repeating what you said, but um, I mean, the offensive line, if you can't, I'm trying to figure out how to word this because I kind of just come up with this right now, but like, it's good right now, but going forward, obviously in two years and just players are getting older and just like that, before you know it, the offensive line isn't what it was. So just obviously just getting reinforcements, making sure the depth is there. So when you have pieces come apart, because as with age, players break down, more injuries come in. We saw that with Ragnow and different players already this year. So, And Matt, Matt just nailed something that I think is very important. The Lions are in the that unique sweet spot of you need to plan for the future, but your window is right now. And two things can be true. You have to operate as if both things are true. You now have the infrastructure in place. You have the franchise functioning at as high of, high of a level as it ever has. So you need to reload while also you know keeping in mind that the time is now. So it's a fine line to walk, but I have faith in Brad Holmes and Dan Campbell and Sheila and Rod Wood and company that they can walk it slow. We'll do one of the Tigers, the other cats in town. Spring training is now officially underway. We got pitchers and catchers there now, but I mean, pretty much everybody looks like they're there. I mean, I don't see any notable omissions amongst the hitters that aren't there at this point either. This is just, this isn't like a real question. I'm just throwing this out there. And, and, you know, I am interested in, I guess, taking both of your guys' temperatures on this. I'm really high on this team. The division is out there for the taking. I mean, Minnesota, all they did was cut payroll. They're, they're not going to be as good. Chicago and Kansas City are terrible. Cleveland, Terry Francone is not walking in that door anymore. And you, you look at this Tigers team, it was not a splashy offseason, but it was an offseason I really liked. You add Kenta Maeda and Jack Flaherty to a rotation that's already got Scooble, Manning, Reese Olsen, Casey Mize. I mean, you've got six legitimate starters. Also, Sawyer Gibson-Long is not bad. And then the, the bullpen, too, is really deep. I mean, you, you know, you bring back Lang. Hopefully he doesn't walk everybody like last year. Foley, Holton, you add Shelby Miller. You bring back, you know... Uh, Andrew Chafin, Miguel Diaz is very good. Alex Fayedu could pitch out there. Bo Brisky. I think this team has got pitching in spades. It's all going to hinge on, I think, really two things. They got to get off to a faster start. They're horrible under AJ Hinch in the month of April. Got to get it off to a quicker start. And these young bats need to take more steps. For the Colt Keiths and Jace Youngs and Justin Henry Malloys of the world who will debut this year, competency in year one is going to be important. And then for the Torkelsons and Kerry Carpenters and Riley Greens of the world, they were all very good last year. Take another step up into like an all-star caliber. But I see less holes on this team. There's really none, none amongst the pitching staff. You add Joey Cora as your third base coach. He could maybe unlock something out of hobby because they're countrymen. But I'm really high on this Tigers team. I've always been an A.J. Hinch guy all along. I love the way he manages the bullpen. I think he's brought a level of professionalism back to the Tigers that they needed here in the last few years. And really, I haven't been this excited about a Tigers team in a while. And expectations, I'm not cranking them up, but I'm high on this team and their chances to make this probably a pretty fun summer. I'm cranking them, Sloan. I'm cranking them. And by the way, I'm glad to hear that. I'm really glad to hear that. And it, it comes it comes from a good place, let me tell you. Because Sloan, I'll tell you, you just had Tigers talk in spades. I mean, that is exactly 
exactly how I feel about this team. The pitching is set. The only thing I disagreed with is I, I'm not a Hinch guy. Everyone knows that because of our, our, our family. This might be the biggest thing that you and I disagree on of all of our takes, of all of our teams. And yeah, I'm not it, be close. it probably is. And I guess my foundation – look, he can prove me wrong this season. The two things you mentioned that I that I 100% I want to harp on a little bit is you have to get off to a better start. You can't be so bad in April because this Tigers team last season after a horrendous April and a horrendous May, they were actually an above 500 team the rest of the way and they were above 500 on the road the entire season, which is crazy. So if you can just get off to a decent start, and put together the season that you truly believe you're capable of. And Sloan, like you said, these young players take steps that you think they can make and and steps that you draft them 1-1, like Spencer Torkelson, like you believe he can make, then absolutely this team should have expectations to win the Central and do well. So Sloan, I'm with you there. I 100% uh, agree with you on that. I think the team's going to be a lot better this season. And the second big thing, and I'll make this quick and then I'll turn it over to Matt, you got to have more of a consistent everyday lineup that's the only thing that drives me crazy about hinch it's always shuffling guys around in the outfield scotty harris loves he come from that he's cut from that san francisco giants cloth where they platoon the hell out of people too so shout out third base this year platoon is putting it lightly i mean the the things that aj hinch does i mean it's like playing farkle where you just put the dice in the cup and shit or yahtzee and you just shake it up and what are we doing today who we playing so you know, I do. I do think beyond that, there's some superficial things like Miguel Cabrera is not around anymore. We all love him, but you don't really have that weight or pressure, if you can even call it that, anymore of his final season. I, I, I really like what the Tigers have, Matt. All right, Matt, you gotta, you gotta, get on the bandwagon, please. I mean, I want to believe, and what, what even, what even gets me to buy in more is Mike Merrifield, front of the program, is he thinks the Tigers are gonna win the division. Like he's all in. Yeah. Hell yeah. So when he, he get he had him a great to buy in, like today. he had a great tweet today about Hinch basically telling guys like Joe, you're not even gonna make the team. You're just down here for spring training to get acclimated mm-hmm. with this level of play. I think that's huge. I mean, I agree with him hundred percent. Yeah, I'm looking at like you like you brought up the rotation guys, like they have so much depth, like a guy like Jack Flaherty, who I was high on in St. Louis, and he really hasn't panned out he had an awful year in Baltimore last year. Um like even if he doesn't pan out fixer, baby. Right, and even if he it doesn't pan out. You have so much young talent behind them. I mean, they're they're going to be have even with some injuries that are bound to happen with young pitching staffs. And I feel like most of the staff is kind of weathered, like the big stuff, and should be back ready to go. Obviously, Mize has his issues. Um, Scooble when he when he's back. Um, so I mean, and I think Scooble is a stud. I think he's all star caliber. I think he's the all star on this team um, this season. I don't. I, I just I look at that lineup. And I love my Riley Green. Take, I think he's gonna... Before you say the hitters, Merrifield, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, my hottest Tigers take this year, Tarek Skubal is going to finish in the top five in AL Cy Young voting. I can get behind that. I, I, that I, good. I thought two years ago when you we – like right? You like that one, You like that one. I do many, because, many... look, I, I don't want to say I'm low on Tarek Skubal, but I love how high some people are because it gives me confidence. Sorry, Matt, go ahead. Get after it. No, I'm just saying hitters, two years ago – before he blew out, it was two years ago, he blew out his elbow, right? And that missed him in the last season was I was going into the season. I was like, this is a guy that can finish high in the young vote. I remember you saying that. I, you he said was, that on Green White. I remember you calling your shot he, on that. He yeah. was, I, he was, he, 
he's the guy in this rotation. Obviously, Mize was the one-one pick, but and I still think he can be a very good pitcher once he gets his legs underneath him and can stay healthy. And hopefully, this is that season. But Scooble, I mean, is an elite starting pitcher. We're going to see that as a left-handed arm. But man, this lineup. I'm I'm looking at it, and I never really thought about. I assume we knew Colt Keith is going to be the starter day one, probably at second base. Torkelson and Green, I think, are going to take steps ahead. But man, like Parker Meadows, I'm not. I Car- Carry Carpenter's been very good, but I'm not the biggest carry guy. Mark Canna, Zach Zach McKintree's is in your starting lineup. I don't know no, if I can yeah, support yeah. a team winning a division with Zach Matt, McKintree starting every day. I'm, I'm he's, he's valuable. He's like a Don Kelly. I'll keep him yeah. around. Like, Come he, on, he's, he's good. He's got great lettuce. He's like a baseball He's there. a platoon guy, but the, he cannot be your starting third baseman for a division-winning baseball team. Like, I'm sorry. Not when the Guardians have J-Rom, and not when uh, – man, now I'm blanking on the third baseman for the – just any hitter. Like, they, obviously, the Twins have Correa. Um, like, like I, that's my one big worry if there's no big bat. Maybe Javi figures it out finally. Maybe. Probably not. Um, hey, and no one thing, would like, love to see – Nobody would love to see Almago turn it around like this and guy right down. here. I love and, Javi Baez. And the biggest thing, and so you kind of touched on this, it's not even being getting off to a good start in April. It's not getting off to a bad start. Like not being putrid offensively in the month of April. Just be average yep. hitting-wise. They have enough pitching. Um, just like they're historically bad in the month of April. If you cannot do that, they got a shot. I'm all right, everybody mean, knows the deal. And it won't take much. 80, 85 wins is probably all they need, which is yes, sad to say. correct. And that's a big reason Meanwhile, why people the... are high on the Tigers. And hopefully hopefully, as the season gets closer, we can do a fully and like in-depth Tigers season oh, preview. Coming. But it's great. Sloan, and that's, I, I love that's the question my... you threw out there. Everybody yeah, knows. That's, that's just one of my big concerns is that we're not super high on the Tigers. We're just super low on the rest of the division, which I don't know is a recipe for success. Um, but then again, I, my sleeper team in the American League this year is in the AL Central. I think the Royals are going to surprise a lot of people. I don't know if they're good enough to win the division quite yet. I don't know if their pitching's there, but they got a lot of yeah, young talent. A player like Bobby really Witt is just what the Tigers need. Like they need that t- talent level player. I think Riley Green and Spencer Torque are just in that tier below a player like Bobby Witt in terms of star they gave, power. They gave Bobby a lot of money. But... They gave Bobby the bag. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Everybody knows the deal here. This is uh, this has been a hallmark of, of various radio and podcasting programs that we've graced over the past three to five years. Ugh, I don't know, Merrifield. With Merrifield here, more like uh, three, two to three years here. But it's in a route. This is high, this is high speed. This is, this is dangerous. It can get a little bit dangerous. It can get a little bit dicey. It probably will tonight, too, as we record on a Thursday, because this is in or out college hoops version. And we, you know, we kind of wet our whistle a little bit on college hoops here in the first segment. And we're going to get in depth a little bit more now. This isn't going to be a ton of Michigan State, but honestly, that's fine, because we're going to talk plenty of Spartans. We're going to talk plenty of everybody. This is something I touched on a couple, t- a couple times. And I'm going to go ahead and pull up the standings here as we speak because I just want to get my math correct here. So play the you know elevator music in the background. But the question is here, does the Big 12 get 10 teams in the tournament this year, in or out on that Trent Valley? I'm in. I think it's the best, it's the best conference in the nation. It's been the class of the nation for the last probably – I don't want to – I don't want to overload it, but I'll say the last five years, the Big 12 has probably been the standard in college basketball. I'll go over on this. I love that. I love 10 teams. 
from the Big 12. Why not, Matt? I, I think I'm going to go – I'm out. I think if they go under, I think like they have nine. They have eight for sure. But then Texas, K-State, and Cincinnati, like they need two of those three to make it. And I just – I think there's – like I'll there's call, it's Matt, just cannibalism. I'll, I'll call my shot. I'll call my shot on it right now. I think Kansas State and Cincinnati will both make it. I really do. Okay. I, I think one of them does. I, I, I think Texas gets in, even though they're like, I can't stand Texas basketball. Ronnie I was Terry. big on them the last Ron, few years. I, and I now I'm completely stand. out on them. Ronnie Terry drives me up the wall. I, I their, their coach looks like uh, Gustavo Fring from uh, Breaking <laughs> Bad, and I can't get over it. Um, but... <laughs> I just I don't know Cincinnati I like I just don't think they're ready yet they jumping from the American to the Big Twelve they haven't done a bad job but I just I think it'll take a little bit more time Um, in K State um, I I think I mean last year was an incredible season for them but I just they don't have what they have last year obviously they lost a lot and so I I think they're gonna get nine I think I think they get nine I think Texas gets in but I think K State and Cincinnati are one seeds in the in the uh, NIT Sloan I'm, I'm the tiebreaker here. And I'm going to be in on this. I love the Big 12 every year. I picked the hell out of them in the tournament. I'm going to do it again this year. We'll just run them all down here for the sake of doing so. Iowa State, Houston, Baylor, shout out Texas Tech. Very fun team. Fourth place in the conference right now. That's four. Believe it or not, the number six Kansas Jayhawks right now, entering this week number six, are currently fifth in the conference at seven and five. Obviously, they're going to still make it. That's five. BYU is six. TCU is seven. Oklahoma is eight. I'm going to go with, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Texas as a nine and K-State as your 10 with Cincinnati not making it. So they're 15 and nine and four and seven in conference. I mean, they're, they're struggling right now too. They've lost two straight. But Merrifield said it. There's that group of three, K-State, Texas, and Cincinnati. I'll, stay, I'll take K-State and Texas to get in. Next, the SEC. We're gonna. I'm gonna scroll down here in my alphabetical standings. Is the SEC like far and away the second best conference in college basketball this year compared to the Big Twelve? Is it not even close, Trent? In or out on it? On it not even being close. This is where I will show my Big Ten colors, which are green and white, by the way. I the SEC gets a little bit of a pass for they, they get a little bit of that extra media coverage pumping that is a trickle down effect from football. As football season ends, some of these reporters head to the basketball games and they start to pump up a team like Tennessee who has shown they are extremely vulnerable. While they will be a high seed in the tournament, it's still Rick Barnes at the helm. I got news for you. He ain't been great in March. So Give me the Big Ten as the second-best team in the conference – or in the country, excuse me. I would also throw the Big East in that conversation, given the fact that we got UConn and Marquette both in the top four. The Big East might get two one-seeds. So, Matt, I'll turn it over to you because I know you feel some type of way about UConn, but I am out on the SEC being the second-best conference in America. Yeah, far and away, like Sloan tried to put it, I do not agree with. I, the Big East, you have UConn and Marquette. Creighton's not bad. And you have a lot of middle of the road teams around that bubble. Obviously, Butler's Butler, a tournament uh, team, I think. And the I Big Ten is a not team. good this year. Butler's got Butler's got wins over Creighton and Marquette this year. And right now, as we record, they're seven and seven in the Big East and sixteen and nine overall. Schedule the rest of the way doesn't look bad for them. They should be in. 
I, put in. I, put I, in I they should be in. No but I would agree with you, Trent, on the standpoint the SEC gets gets a bump. In this team, you didn't mention South Carolina is not a good basketball oh, team. Yeah. Why are they 11th? They got boat raced yesterday. They're 50th in offense and defense on Ken Palm. Like they, there's no reason for them to be a three seed. This is once again why I hate bracketologists because I want to know where they get their numbers from instead of just throwing. I get it. Basketball kind of sucks Wait, this Matt, year. So Matt, throwing, Matt. can you? Can you call him out? Is it Jerry Palm? Jerry, I don't, I don't know if I can say what I've been calling Jerry Palm <laughs> to certain people through via text message. Um, not, but I, I, have, I have very strong feelings about Jerry Palm. Regulated. Mike DeCourcy at Fox is almost as bad. Joe Lenardi's the opposite, where he has Michigan State way overinflated and then dropped him after they lost to Illinois. It's insane. But yeah, South Carolina, why they're a three seed or a four seed now after they lost yesterday, beyond me. Kentucky doesn't play defense. Um, Bama's good. They don't play defense either. They're really good offensively. Auburn's probably the most complete team in that conference. Florida, I hate. They went to double overtime or triple overtime against Michigan. Mm, They're not that good. Julius Marble plays for Texas A&M. I I like (laughs) Ole Miss a lot, actually. (laughs) Hey, also, Texas A&M, shout out Wade Taylor the fourth. He is a nice player. He is nice. I think that... They're, they're just on par with a couple other conferences, in my opinion. Big East, you're going to get UConn in. You're going to get Marquette in. You're going to get Creighton in. Seton Hall is 9-5 in conference, 16-9 overall. Butler's probably going to get in. Also, Providence has got a couple decent wins this year. They're 16-9 and 7-7 and seven and seven in conference. They could be a team that also gets in. Big Ten, they're probably just a, a small cut below the SEC, in my opinion, but I don't think it's by far and away – number one Big East, number two SEC. So I'm also going to go out. This could be a bit of a wide-reaching inner out. UConn, do they repeat as champions, in or out? I'm, I'm, well, I'm, I'm going to say out. That's my very simple answer because I think it's chaos this year, and I'm not a, as big a fan as UConn as I was. So I'm already going out. So how, how, can I, how can I be in on this when this season has proven to be the most wide open the tournament's been since what 2015, 2014? I don't I, I can't think of I can't think of a year that's been more wide open than this season. And I'm not talking about 20 to, to draw back to something Matt was saying earlier. I'm not talking about the top level. I'm talking about that mid-level where there's plenty of five, six, seven, eight seeds that could win it all. Could pull off a Jimmy Valvano 1983 Wolfpack, Matt. So how can I say that that I'm in on you kind of repeating? I I just can't do it. My, this is my issue, be Matt Merrifield. This question. I'm. <laughs> we need Nick Bird on here on here to to protect the UConn propaganda. I I've been very vocal about this. Reigning national champs are awful in March Madness. Since the last team to repeat was Florida back in 07 yep. 08. Al Horford. So does anybody know the last time a final four te- or a championship team made it to the Elite Eight the following year? It was- I'm just going to take like a random swing. A championship team making it to the Elite Eight the next year. Duke in 2016. Kansas last year. They, they no, didn't make it. It was yeah. Florida to repeat. Before that, it was Michigan State in 01 to make the Final Four. So after Dude, the 2000 year, they made Matt it to an 01 to the Final Four. Stat and Merrifield and coming we've through. We've had, I think, three times since 2000, only three champs, four champs, and 
they've been Florida, Duke twice, and Louisville after they had their fraudulent championship, even though I love it because they beat Michigan. Those are the only four <laughs> teams to make the Sweet 16 after winning a championship. Like this, like teams do not do well after they win a title. UConn, specifically after every title they've won, has not made it to the Sweet 16. I, they're the best team in college basketball. I hate that I don't like them because they are the most complete team. They're the one team I look at and I go, yeah, that's the best team in hoop basketball, and everybody else kind of has their issues. But I refuse. I refuse. They're not repeating. I, I'm sticking to my guns. I don't care who they get matched up against. They're they're round of 32. I'm pulling them from my bracket. I don't care. Or depending on who their 8-9 game is, I'll pick them to lose to a 16 seed. I don't care. Like I, I will stick to my guns on this one. So this is actually We've seen better teams lose to worse teams in March. This is back-to-back questions when all three of us have been out. So, you know, I wrote these questions. So hopefully that's not uh, crummy on my part. Uh, my part. We'll use the <laughs> word crummy. We got two more. Both of them are Big Ten related. One of them is kind of uh, funnier than the other. But we'll start with the uh, not as funny one. This is the question: Will Purdue and Illinois both break? their recent tournament, mucky, yucky, disgusting trends. They've both been awful the, the last four to five years in the tournament. Will they both break that stretch and make the second weekend this year? Both. Trends so key word is both, like you said. I mean, you have, it, you have it in all caps in the in the Google Doc that we use. Uh, no. Heck no. Why would, why would I bet yes on this? I mean, or why would I bet in on this? Excuse me. It's a good question, Sloan, because I, I, I appreciate the creativity that it took to come up with a question like this, because you're right. Both these programs have had quite the, you know, litany of ghosts and skeletons in their closet. I, I'll tell you this right now. Purdue's more likely to break theirs, but I'll spin zone say Illinois is going to break theirs this year. Purdue's going to lose in the Sweet 16. Illinois could make a run to the Elite Eight. I don't really know. I still love Brad Underwood, Matt. I still do. I Purdue, I, I said out. this on Green and White two, two weeks ago that I'm out. I'm out on it. I said two weeks ago that Purdue right now, uh, Matt Painter is like a bear eating a bunch of food, getting ready to go into hibernation come March 1st. <laughs> I still believe that. They're, they're, they're playing so good right now, and I love it because it's just in time for them to start playing crap basketball. I I'm torn because at the beginning of the year, I said, I don't know who's going to win it. This might be the year Gonzaga and Purdue figure it out and play in the final four against each other. Like they both together, like all the frauds all at once. And that might end up way very well end up happening. We could get Tennessee with Rick Barnes, Marquette, Purdue and Gonzaga in a final four. And I would not be surprised with how bad of a college basketball year we've had. Um, I wouldn't watch that final four. Because I would just hate it. Because I hate all four of those programs. But I just I don't think I don't think Purdue shakes it for Illinois. Having Terrence Shannon on the floor makes him. He's one of the best in college basketball, and he's such a difference maker. And I think it's going to be interesting going to March this year because all the best players in college basketball are not. They're number one. They're not freshmen of the uh, Wooden Award list of the thirty players named today or yesterday. None of them are freshmen, and. There's not a lot of top end NBA talent going into this year's draft from college bat. Like I don't, I mean, there is a lot of the top prospects are overseas, and there's some players from programs that aren't very good. I feel like going to this year's NBA draft, and that's usually been a thing of having NBA talent is what gets you over the top, and none of these teams have it. So, especially Purdue or, or Illinois. We're gonna make it three outs. I think you guys expressed all my points. Until they both do it, I'm not picking them. So. It's really as simple as that because I've been burned many times in the past. 
Shout out Fairly Dickinson. We're actually going to call an audible for this one after three questions of three straight outs. This is not an inner out, but Trent's got a college basketball question supreme of the day that we were texting about earlier today. And I just want you to fire that off. and We're going to bat this around in the air. Yeah, so I'll go last here because I want I want to hear you guys' answers before I adopt mine, so to speak. But I want to hear everyone's team that you're adopting going into March Madness. That and and we're talking a team that's probably no higher than a five seed, a team that you think's in that mid tier that you are picking to make a run. I guarantee you that this team that I'm presenting to you right now is not the team that you think it is. I'm going with the. New Mexico Lobos. Stop. God damn it. You know Mountain who their head coach West. is, right? You know oh, who their head coach is, right? It's the Mountain Patino, West. They don't win in March. Little Patino's got them going. They are stacked. They've got. Do you remember three... the last time Little Patino was in the tournament? Do you remember what time happened? Timeout, 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 timeout. I'm calling it's a 30. I'm calling a yeah, 30. Yeah. Did Matt just say when was the last time the Mountain West, Mountain West doesn't run in March or whatever? They just went. They just San Diego State yeah. just made a run to the final last year. What, what have they done about? the three years before? What did the rest of the conference do last Matt, year? I don't care. I talk. I'm talking about this year. What did what did well, okay, what did Lil do last time he was in March? Sloan. Do you remember last time he coached a game in March Madness? Because no, I, I don't. I don't. I don't. He got ran don't off the ahead. floor by Cassius Winston in 2019 when when he was coaching Minnesota. A lot of people did. Minnesota. I got news. I got news for you. A lot of people yeah. got ran off the floor and, by Cassius yeah. Winston. Come on. All right, let me present my case here. Patino, like him or not, is a go is a guy who has coached in a lot of big games, NCAA tournament games. He has taken teams there in the past. He can do it again and is capable of that. And they've got so much depth of scoring. And, and it's veterans, too. Jalen House gets 15 a game. Donovan Dent gets 15 a game. And a guy who I loved Patino coach at Minnesota is Jamal Mashburn Jr., Trent, you and I covered him our senior year. Very good player. He's also a guard. He gets 15 points a game. So you've got three experienced guards who can lead a team in March. They get 15 a game. And then you've got, shout out, Obi Toppin's even younger brother, JT Toppin, gets 12 points a game. This is a team that I'm I'm looking to. I was not going to pick a Power 5 team for this because it wouldn't be as fun. I'm going to pick the Lobos. They've got a sweet logo. I'm looking at it right now. This damn logo looks like it's about to hop through the screen and attack me. It's vicious. Give me the Lobos. It's like a nine, like a really sneaky nine to like make the Elite Eight. Let's go Lobos. All right, Trent, you're next because I'm, I'm putting Matt in timeout right now. Slanderous <laughs> comments on, on Patino and my Lobos because that was not warranted in my opinion. Not okay. warranted. So my answer to this, I'm a little biased, and by little I mean a lot. I work for the Florida Sports Network down in Florida in Fort Myers. How you doing? But um, I am gonna take the Florida Gators. I really am. A lot of a lot of bracketologists have them around the eight nine line. I think they're gonna get even higher because Matt, they have opportunities coming up. They got everything in front of them. They get they to went play. to overtime with Michigan. I, I understand, but you're 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 talking about one game. I mean, they 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 get to play Vanderbilt twice down the stretch. They of course they have to play Bama twice as well. But one of those games is in Gainesville. They get to play Missouri at home. They have everything in front of them. All the makings to be an eight or potentially a seven seed, and then we'll just roll the balls out. They got five players in double figures. This is a senior or upperclassman rather. Led squad 
and I love what the Florida Gators have got going on. And that's, uh, I mean, for the SEC, it's a little bit of a down year for the SEC. I don't know if you can really call it that because last year they were fantastic. So it's kind of hard to judge them based off last season. But I'll, I like the Gators, Matt. Who you got? Uh, there's two teams. I had one, and I, I thought Sloan was gonna for sure going to take it. I thought Sloan, I thought you're going to go with Indiana State. I thought you were going to go with the second Okay. Most. I was thinking about them too, but I'm glad you picked that. I, 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 their offense no, they, is just. They have, they have like, they have, you know what they have? They have 512 written all over them. Someone's going to come in. Oh, yeah. They're going to be the five seed. They could be that 11. They could be that 11, like Loyola Chicago was a couple years ago, just coming in and running the table as an underseeded team uh, yeah. in Missouri Valley. Uh, but my team is also at the SEC. I think they can win a game or two as an 8 9, be a one seed like Purdue is Chris Beard and the Rebels from Mississippi. I think Chris Beard wins in March. That's the one thing he does. Whether whether he's a good guy or not, doesn't matter. Um, His teams, when he was at Little Rock, found a way to win a couple games in March. I remember then they beat Purdue when it was a 5-12 game. Um, They beat, uh, obviously, Texas Tech. He was incredible at going to that title game. Um, RIP, Cassius Winston and Michigan State. Um, He did well. I mean, Texas last or two years ago, um, they honestly underperformed, but he's just such a good basketball coach. And with a program like Mississippi that isn't very good, um, I mean, they're a really good, they're a solid team. They're really good offensively. Their defense leaves a lot to be desired. But I think to win a game or two as an 8 9 seed, I think Ole Miss could be somebody that is uh, not to be messed with. All right. Hang with me for a second, Merrifield, because I'm going to counter you really quickly here mm-hmm. because you countered me. So I get my shot too. So. We're gonna we're gonna take a, a not this isn't a deep dive this is a small dive. So Ole Miss got out to that great start, great start, but they're now eighteen and six. It's fine, but they're five and six in conference. We're just gonna peruse the schedule here really quickly as I wait for my laptop to load. I have the schedule pulled off up now. They got off to just an unbelievable start. It looks like they won. I think yeah, they won thirteen straight to open the year, but then they lost to Tennessee. They beat Florida and Vandy. Lost to LSU, who sucks. Lost to Auburn, lost to Auburn again, lost to South Carolina, lost to Kentucky. Come up with a good win for me. That's like that's my biggest problem. Like I get that Beard can win in March, but I see Ole Miss as being fraudulent because they beat up on teams like, let me name a couple of them, Mount St. Mary's, Temple, Sam Houston, Eastern Washington, <laughs> uh, Detroit Mercy, who just won yesterday. I just I'm now seeing they beat Detroit Mercy the at one point. I didn't <laughs> Are, are you worried Maybe about the a, resume for, for the uh, Rebs? I mean, their strength schedule isn't great. Now, upcoming, they have Missouri on Saturday, which they should win. Um, they have South Carolina and Bama back-to-back at the very end of the month, both at home. They have to they have to win at least one, even if they should win both at home. Um, I, I just think coming down the stretch, they got some – I just I some about Chris Beard and March. I think certain coaches just have what it takes – and know what it takes to win. Uh, Matthew Morrell um, has been really good for them at the guard spot. I, I, we'll see. I mean, there's, there's it's wide open. There aren't a lot of options. You, most years I have multiple teams that I kind of fall in love with. Um, like Texas Give us team Texas number two that you like right now, though. Give us team number two. That would be Indiana State. Oh, I'm stupid. Sick, you already said Indiana State. For some reason, and, I thought I mean, they, that, uh, they impressed me a lot when I watched them play state. Like that offense is that offense is just fun. Like whether or not they win a million games or one game in March, um, make sure you're watching them when they play because whoever they're playing, they're going to give them fits. 
especially with Robbie Avila. He's going to win over the hearts of America. I was going to say that's the type of guy that they're going to, he's going to go Twitter viral and everyone's going to just love it. Indiana State will be the sexy pick for every, like Absolutely. 90% of brackets in the country. I think JMU could be a sexy pick too. You know, shout out to the tournament that beat State. I, they they're not even okay. guaranteed to make it. App State might win the Sun Belt. Right now, uh, they're leading Georgia State, and you can live bet them right now with 340 to go in the second half, <laughs> minus 28 and a half. I say this as I'm pulling up my sheet here for, for the gambling corner. So this is not a bad segue into the gambling corner. I just want to you know put a cap on that in and out. Thought it was pretty electric. Love college basketball. I'm gonna let it, I'm gonna give us a minute here. Gambling corner is how we wrap this show up. That's how we did it when we did the green and white report together. It's how we're going to do it now here on No BS. I'm, you know, feverishly right now uh, scrolling through my picks. Are, is, are any one of you more prepared uh, than I am? Do you have your picks already lined up? I, I have one to throw out right away. Okay, okay, th- then go but for it because I'm, the I'm wings getting my are stuff about to lined start. up. The wings are about to start in like 45 minutes here um, as we finish recording on this Thursday night. Over under against the Canucks tonight, six and a half. I'm loving the over. Uh, two teams that love to score goals. Goaltending leaves a lot to be desired on both sides. They just played last week, um, and it was 4-3 in overtime. So I definitely think they get to that seven total once again. So give me the over in Wings and Canucks. All right. Well, I'll 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 give you one full transparency here. I am obviously a resident of Florida now, and since I came back to Michigan, my Hard Rock Bet app is not legal here in Florida, so I can't really pull up lines, but I'll give you a money line. I'll give you a money line for Saturday's college hoops action, and this goes along with something that we talked about with uh, with Matt earlier about the Big 12 in particular and getting 10 teams in the dance. Give me Kansas State money line. They're hosting TCU on Saturday at noon. I love Kansas State to basically plant their flag and say, we're here, we're a tournament team, we're going to make this thing, and they're going to win the Purple Haze War, Sloan. I'm struggling right now, not going to lie. My laptop is currently on 7%, and I am, I'm feverishly trying to pull up this line that I saw the other day. So bear with me, this is really embarrassing here. This is this is very embarrassing. Well, I'll, I'll cut this out. You're good. Whatever okay. whatever it takes. You can give your pick Sloan, and then you can send us off. So that way your laptop doesn't die. This is terrible. I can't find my line. No, this is bad for me too because I wanted to give like some good picks this week, but I can't even do it because I can't look at the lines. Okay, I got I got my uh, I got my spread. This okay. is a team that uh, I, I've got a little bit of personal background with this. Saturday, Trent, you're gonna love this. Saturday, I'm going with a coworker of mine here at Odyssey to Indianapolis to go to Hinkle Fieldhouse to watch Butler Creighton. It's a little matinee basketball on Saturday. My coworker Kyle graduated from Butler. He had friends that played on the team. He was there when Holton was there. He was actually there when uh, uh, Brad Stevens was there too. So him and I watched Michigan State Butler in East Lansing this year. And I told him I'm going to return the favor. We're going to do a trip to Hinkle get a good Big East matchup down the stretch. It's Butler and Creighton. It's coming up on Saturday. This is a 12.30 tip. National TV, by the way, on Fox. Everybody tune in because this is going to be awesome. We've got Creighton minus two in this game against the Butler Bulldogs. 
Creighton uh, lost to Butler earlier this year on their home court. I'm going with Butler plus two on Saturday. Go Dogs. They've got nice resume wins already over Creighton this year. They beat Marquette. The schedule the rest of the way is not looking great. It, it, it's, 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 you know, it's not that tough. I've got Butler making the tournament. Bad Mata, shout out. Dude knows how to win. Posh Alexander, you know, <laughs> Patino, you couldn't have him. Go on over to Butler. I'm going with the Dogs minus two points. Is that uh, – could that be a best batch? You guys are high on that. Sloan, Sloan, I'm high on that. I'm riding it. Duck delivery for the Big yep, East. Absolutely. Hey, and you and I have been at you. You and I have been at Hinkle Trent. Hinkle is just a cathedral of college basketball. Love. Oh, it's place. incredible! It's incredible. You look at it from the outside, and you just you're you're. It's a marvel. And then you get inside, and you realize the court is opposite the way you thought it would it's be awesome. when you're looking at it from the outside. It's great. Shout out to the Butler popcorn mm-hmm. bowl that we both kept. Oh yeah. <laughs> I still have it somewhere. <laughs> I well, this, was, this was episode two, and I think we're starting to work the kinks out here. You know, it's been a minute since we've been on the Green and White Report together, and things are starting to become a little bit smoother and more cohesive. I think there was a little bit more planning and love and care that went into this episode pre-show. I, I'd give this show a nice, uh, a nice rating here. I'd, I'd give it like a, I give it like a four or an A plus plus or a full five stars. I. I've got nothing but positive thoughts right now. It's there was no BS tonight. I don't. You're not going to hear me disagree at all. Yeah, I, I, I hope Matt's not going to dissent on this. We're running the triangle right now. This is no BS. I mean, Merrifield, is it no BS that this was pretty electric tonight? This was college hoops jam packed. So I would agree. Part. I would agree. I have no complaints. Full five I, hope, stars. Yeah, I hope the. Uh, the Tate McRae and um, Miley Cyrus music wasn't too loud in the background. Oh my gosh! Not I'll a bad a word. word to add. I'll have a word with Caesar when we're done. No, yeah, no, no. If people, if people don't like it, can, rituals. If people want to skip through, they can skip through. I don't want to hear anyone complaining about any background yeah. noise. Matt, you're fine. You're fine. This is no BS. You can find us anywhere you get your podcasts. Uh, you know, all this is going to do is. Uh, grow and we're going to do more fun stuff coming up this got me pretty fired up because you know there's plenty of college troops to talk about big one for the spartans coming up against the wolverines i think we're all predicting a win on saturday i've got a w uh do we have three w's everyone raise their hand yes excellent Dubs. send us off trent one bride